Our topic this morning is titled Danger Beware. And it is intended to inform us and to remind us that as Christians, we don't have to sleep or slumber because we have an enemy, Satan, who would like to take advantage of us if we are not careful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, something is written. It says, this is mine. We need to be alert. Now, this is the quotation. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So, danger, beware. Let's take our Bible reading. The first one is from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. May we listen to the word of God. Now, the serpent was cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruits of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then, the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, 
She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord said to the woman, What is this you have done? Then the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The serpent what deceived me, and I ate. The second Bible reading is from James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There are a few words I would like us to appreciate. Danger. What is danger? Danger, some words, synonyms for danger are hazard, their peril, jeopardy. It's anything that can cause harm or can even kill. Anything at all. Anything that can hurt you, harm you, or kill you is something dangerous. It's a danger to you. And when we, the word beware, beware simply means be cautious, be careful, be alert, watch out, look out. And some of our colleagues, our friends in Nigeria will say, shine your eye. Be awake. There is another word, temptation. Temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. And synonyms of them are lure, entice, seduce. And a desire is a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing to have something happen. That is desire. What danger are we talking about? Man has one major enemy. And in scripture we say he is Satan. He it is who we saw deceive Eve. We heard deceive Eve. But Satan himself can tempt you and he can also tempt you through his agents. His agents can be spirits, demons, or any created thing like man. So in effect, I'm saying that Satan is our number one adversary, enemy. And why so? Satan is seen and known as the God of this world by scripture. And his aim is to ensure that he attacks the mind of man 
through lies, deceits, as we just observed he did to Eve. He will attack the body of man to cause suffering as he did to Job. And when he does that, you become impatient with God and you may even lose your faith. He will even attack your will. And he does that through pride so that you put yourself above God. You take every glory for yourself. These are, these are the ways, some of the ways Satan attacks us. And he will do the same through his agents. For example, Scripture says in Matthew 7, 15, and these are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 to 15, Paul says, For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. We are being told here that Satan can turn himself like an angel of light, and he has people who serve him who can do the same. So they can come to us as Christians like ourselves. They can be demons. They can be prophets, apostles, evangelists, priests, anybody at all. But they can be used by Satan to deceive. Indeed, 1 Timothy 4, chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So one, Satan attacks us, too, he does so through his agents. But Satan can attack us through ourselves. So a man can be his own best friend or his own worst enemy. How? You know, we have what we call the fleshy man or the carnal mind. And the flesh, in this respect, is the human nature corrupted by sin. That is nat that nature which we inherited from Adam. Once that nature is in you, it will fight you. In fact, Paul, in Romans 7, 22 to 23, said, There are things I want to do, but I cannot do them. And there are things I don't want to do, those things I do. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. And then he wanted to say, There is something in me, a sinful nature, which is fighting against that thing in me, which also wants to please God. So you can see inside you, inside me, inside each body here, each person here, there's something fighting for God, 
something also fighting for Satan. So you yourself can be your own worst enemy or your own best friend. Please let us note, as Christians, true Christians, you are born again. Once you are born again, it's considered that you are a child. So you mature. And there are different levels of maturity in the body of Christ, the church. There are children. And children are ignorant. They are easily deceived. They are not even aware of danger. And must therefore be protected by the mature Christians as we would that child whom we wanted to cross the road with. So you can see that we are told in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, that as newborn babies, you should desire the pure milk of the word and to grow thereby. That's the milk of the word of God. That is that which helps newborn babies, Christians, to grow. And newborn babies are taught by mature Christians, be they apostles, be they prophets, priests, evangelists, pastors, teachers, or other elders and older Christians. However, the older Christians must also beware because they themselves can be deceived by Satan. Um, so there is danger and we must beware. Who can be tempted? Because temptation is the danger we are talking about. And who will be tempted? Thank you. Temptation is no respecter of persons. No man is exempt from temptation. A child, an adult, no man is exempt. As we saw, Satan first tempted Eve. Eve fell. Then he, he used Eve as an agent to tempt Adam. And Adam fell. And in fact, Jesus himself, our own Jesus, our Lord Jesus, was tempted. But he did not fall. So if Satan can go even to Jesus, who am I and who are you that you think you are above temptation? The danger is there. Beware. Let him who thinks he stands, beware. Lest he falls. When can you be tempted? Anytime, anywhere. Anytime. In the night, in the morning, you can be tempted. And where can you be tempted? Anywhere. Eve was tempted in the garden. Jesus in the wilderness. Peter was tempted right in the presence of Jesus. Are you with me? Thank you. How can we be tempted? We read from James chapter 1, 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when 
desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There are three dangers, three temptations to sin. We can see these in the first epistle of John, chapter 2, and verse 16. He says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And Satan is the God of this world, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. In fact, these three temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, every human being will confront them, whether you like it or not. These are dangers. Whether you like it or not, you'll be confronted with it. Whether I like it or not, I'll be confronted with it. So let us say again that these are three temptations that every human will experience. And we need to be aware of it and beware. What is the last of the flesh? The last of the flesh is that temptation to feel physical pleasure from some sinful activity. To do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. It can involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to the body. Examples of the lust of the flesh are like sexual sins, gossip, physical violence, drug, like marijuana, cocaine, excessive use of alcohol, and many more. The Apostle Paul gives us a nice example of the works of the flesh when he says in Galatians 5, 19-21 that now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, witchcraft, hatred, strife, envying, murders, he goes on and on. These are all lusts of the flesh. And everyone here, including me, is inside there, will face them. What is the last of the eyes? The last of the eyes is the desire to possess that which we see or to have those things which have visual appeal. In scripture, the eyes are the primary organs of perception and often the principal avenue of temptation. We see this in the case of King David. When he saw Bathsheba, lusted after her and committed adultery with her and even killed, murdered the husband. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2, it says, And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. 
and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Other examples of the last of the eyes include looking at pornography, desiring other material possessions, status, appearances. And what is the pride of life? The pride of life is that sinful temptation for excess, excess, excess greatness or power that will all feel the temptation to attain. Pride itself is one of the sins that God hates most. And is the sin that made Lucifer the beautiful angel turn into Satan the adversary. The pride of life describes the arrogant spirit of self-sufficiency. It expresses the desire for recognition, applause, status, and advantage in life. In fact, it is full of I, I, I. This, some of the examples of the pride of life are desiring to get credit for things that others or God did. Desiring for others to worship us or to hold us in excess esteem to make a name for ourselves. Desiring to feel valued or more important than others around us. Desiring to have positions of power over others in a way that puffs up our own ego for the sake of bragging. Jesus said, those who desire to be great should be the greatest servants. Consider the words, words of Satan himself, who was so filled with pride that he wanted to be God. He said, I will ascend above the highs of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14. Let us see the three temptations in action. The three dangers in action. Indeed, every sin we commit will be either one of these or a combination of the three. Let's see how Eve experienced it and then we'll look at how Jesus, our Lord himself, experienced it and we'll take a lesson from it. Eve's temptation by Satan. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food good for what food last of the flesh edwani isban and that it was pleasant to the eyes last of the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise the pride of life she took of the fruit thereof and did it and also give to a husband, and he did it. You can see the three things. Food. The thing was beautiful. It will make me wise. Last of the flesh, last of the eye, pride of life. And how did it relate to our Lord Jesus Christ? From Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 to 10. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you, 
are the Son of God. Command these stones to become bread. Last of the flesh. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, the top, the tower of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hand they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is the pride of life. How? Because if you stood at that top place, high place, and jumped down, and nothing happens to you, you can see the popularity that is going to happen. The applause. Hey, this man is wonderful. He does this, he does that, he does that. So that was the pride of life. But Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He did what he showed him. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory. The last of the eyes. He showed him all and their glory. The last of the eye. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. So we see that in the case of Eve, the last of the flesh, the last of the eye, and the pride of life were used to tempt her. Indeed, Satan came and said, Did God say you shall not? And Eve tried to respond. But Satan knows the Bible more than virtually everybody here. He used it on Jesus. You can see he was quoting. So you don't use superficial Bible knowledge to come against Satan. In fact, you can't even come against him in your own rights. You need in-depth knowledge and dependence on God. So, every one of us here will face these three temptations, these three dangers. We must beware. We must be careful. Is temptation a sin? Is it wrong to be tempted? The answer is no. It is not wrong to be tempted. Eve was tempted, he, she fell. Adam was tempted through Eve, he fell. Jesus was tempted, he did not fall. Indeed, 
If you look at Hebrews 4, 15, it says he was tempted in every area like us, yet without sin. And mind you, this temptation is not a one-off issue. As long as you have life, as long as you have breath, they will continue coming at you. So be aware of it. Beware. Be careful. There is danger. So we know that being tempted is not a sin. Sin occurs when we mishandle temptation. When we give in to rates, then we sin. Brethren, it is important to note that it is not sin to enjoy physical pleasure in things in which God allows us to feel pleasure. It is not sin to enjoy physical pleasure in things which God permits us to do so. For example, God created food to taste delicious. And my fellow men, we like food. So if you like eat food, it is good. But excess eating, gluttony, is that which is the problem. God created us. He created sex. It's meant to be enjoyed. There's nothing wrong with it. If spouses have intimacy, there's nothing wrong with it. But when we go into fornication and adultery, there is an abuse. And there is nothing wrong with looking at beautiful things. There are many beautiful things, paintings, materials, even creation itself, beautiful rainbow, many things. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we last fully, look upon things God has commanded us to avoid, like other people's spouses, other people's possessions, etc., then it becomes sin. So, it's like a gun can be used to do good, it can be used to do evil. That's how desire is. If you feed it by listening to the lies of Satan, you go into the fruit of the flesh. And if you feed yourself on the word, you develop the fruit of the spirits. Either way, you either obey God or you obey sin, Satan. Let us note and beware. Finally, there is nothing wrong with having ambition or desiring to work hard. However, when we fail to give glory to God, when we, be des we desire to be praised for our efforts, and when we desire power or knowledge for the sake of being proud of it and not giving glory to the, our owner, that is where the trap is. How do we be careful? How do we beware? We said danger, beware. So how do we beware? Let's remember, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, that every man experiences. 
But God is faithful in keeping his promises. And he will not permit you to be tempted before what you will be able to stand. But with the temptation will make a way of escape that you'll be able to come out of the temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So what is the way of escape that this verse is talking about? The way to escape is to resist the devil. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and 7, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Note that resisting the devil must first be accompanied by submitting to God. You cannot face the devil on your own strength. A disobedient or unsubmissive believer will never see victory. It is not by our might, nor by our power, but by the spirit of the living God. Do not trust in the arm of flesh. To resist means to withstand, to strive against, to oppose. Resistance can be in a defensive maneuver. The soldiers who are here will tell us. That is trying to defend. Or it can also be aggressive. Using being going into spiritual warfare and other things. But why will resistance cause the enemy to flee? Because he knows that he cannot have victory over us if we are prepared to battle him. As a matter of fact, in Colossians 2, we are told that Satan has been disarmed. He's a defeated foe. And in Ephesians 6, we are also told that Satan... deceives us, the wiles of the devil. He uses deceit. So even though he's been defeated, he will trick you to feel that he is powerful. The only way you will know who he is is to know who our Lord is. Let's see, let's look at some means by which we can resist the devil. There could be several, but I'm listing three. First, be aware of the devil, that he is there. As Christians, we have to be aware of the reality of the presence of evil. As we struggle to stand firm in our faith, we must realize that the enemies we are up against are not merely human ideas, but real forces that come from the powers of darkness in heavenly places. The Bible says, in Ephesians 6 and 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. If you think it is not, you are deceiving yourself. Be aware. And be aware that Satan has agents. The second thing, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. First know that he's roaring like a lion, but he's not a lion. He's defeated, but he's pretended to be bold. And he's crafty. 
Remember, Jesus said in John 10, 10, John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Remember, Satan will attack your mind through deceit. You introduce doubts. Did God say? You will introduce guilt when you give in. But there is no sin Christ cannot forgive. His blood washes us clean. He will attack your body with sickness, with disease, like Job. To the extent that he will give up, Job's wife told him, curse God and die. But when you know that uh, these are some of the ploys of the devil, you will trust that God knows best. And he will not let you suffer what you will not be able to. And he will also try to puff your pride. Yes, so let's be careful. Do things, do everything, but in everything, do it as unto the Lord and not unto yourself. That's the way. Finally, the third way to resist the devil is to put on the whole armor of God. And that is seen in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. This is so long, it's a whole sermon or teaching on itself. So I'll just summarize. Because today we have a lot of things to do. The Bible assures us that we need only put on the full armor of God to be fully protected from evil and to actively resist it. In summary, the whole armor of God consists of the belt of truth. Christ is the way, the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. The breastplate of righteousness. You cannot have your own righteousness. Everything we do is like filthy rag. But our righteousness is that of Christ. Shoes for readiness to proclaim the gospel. So that you talk, you testify of what Christ has done. Go where he sends you. Spread the gospel. It's a commission God gave to us. In that case, you push further the forces of darkness. The shield of faith. Satan will come. Did God say directly or through circumstances and events? But we are fighting a fight of faith. The Christian war is a fight of faith. So when doubt comes in, let faith stand up. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You don't need superficial knowledge of the word of God. Not just what somebody tells you, like myself and other people. It's good, but take time as newborn babies desire the pure spiritual milk and grow by it. Then the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head. The head contains the brain and the mind. Those are the battlefields of the two forces. 
Then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You can see Jesus using it to counter. Eve tried it, but she was superficial. And finally, the seventh one, which is not an armor, but it's part of the, the things required, is prayer. Prayer, prayer is something that I would say, after you've won the armor, use it to wash down. Prayer brings you into communion and fellowship with God so that his armor can protect you. We pray for strength to resist evil and to actively battle against it. We pray for wisdom in the conflict. And most of all, we remain steadfast in our prayers, both for the ability to resist the devil and also for other believers who struggle in the same battle. Indeed, when the church, the body of Christ, stands united against evil, fully equipped with the armor of God, then we'll see how formidable foes we are, the forces of darkness. But how do you put on the full armor of God? How do we do that? All the pieces of the armor are found in a relationship with Jesus. Paul said it like this, Romans 13, 4, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, like a garment. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you give yourself to Jesus and put on his righteousness, you are clothed in the whole armor of God. Therefore, submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and to God. Do you sometimes feel weak? Do you find yourselves giving in to temptation when you really want to overcome? Are you ever discouraged? We all face these moments. But clothed in the full armor of God, the weakest of his children is more than a match for Satan. In Jesus, clothed in God's invisible armor, you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So, my brothers and sisters, we are in dangerous territories. We are surrounded by powerful enemies who are constantly trying to deceive us, trying to hurt us, trying to take away from the path of God. Therefore, be careful. Remember, temptation is not a sin, but mishandling it is sin. And also remember that the Bible tells us that no matter how tempted you may be in, no matter the situation, Jesus felt the same temptation. And God promises us that no matter how hard the temptation is, there is an escape route. But we have a choice, the choice of obedience, submission, over sin. May God grant us the grace to resist and overcome in the power and name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm.